I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, you know how to join in on the show. All you got to do is hit us up on social media at game day CLE on either Instagram or Twitter. Daryl, you had the unique experience of being out in Canton this week uh, to listen to the Hall of Fame guys, and Joe Thomas was one of them. And look at you breaking a little bit of news, my partner on the podcast. Tell everybody what you did. <laughs> you I don't broke know about it. Breaking any news, but uh, I did get him to reveal who his presenter w- was going to be. And uh, if you remember how his career started, the NFL draft on a lake with his uh, family uh, fishing. Well, his uh, Hall of Fame induction, no surprise, going to be a family affair. With all apologies to Alex Mack. Um, Joe was solid gold as he always is, uh, Andy, when we saw him Monday at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A little different walking through that building now that you're about to be in that club. And uh, he's going to have his beautiful wife, Annie, and his four children uh, be his uh, presenter. And what was interesting is that because the presentations now are different, they're done on video. Uh, They're no longer done live at the podium. So he doesn't have to worry about them being up there and giving – you know, a, a, a grandiose speech. It's all going to be pre-produced. So he's going to have his uh, his wife and kids uh, handle his uh, presentation. Alex Mack, remember him? Former Brown center. I do, I do. One of uh, Joe's good uh, friends uh, to this very day. He was actually going to have Alex do it uh, until he, uh, you know, found out that uh, how actually happens. So... Um, Alex Mack, congratulations. You're the runner up to present. Did he say uh, why Tom. he switched or no? Yeah, because it's going to be a pre-produced video as opposed to them. What's going to happen is the video will play and then they will all come out as the bust gets unveiled. Uh, they will be next to him as that happens. Uh, same thing goes with the other, uh, presenters, um, and so that just made it, I think, a, a lot easier on him. Because let's be honest about it. I mean, my God, he, he, like, I mean, I asked him, you know, hey, you know, what's tough for picking between two or three guys to be a presenter or having to, well, in your case, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25, even maybe more uh, than that, right? Because of all, you know, all, think all the quarterbacks he played with, all, all the coaches he played for, offensive coordinators or, line coaches uh, that he worked with. Uh, go, go back to his college days, you know, someone that might have been impactful before he even came to the NFL and got him through. And it just – he just said, hey, man, you know, when I, when I sat back and I reflected, the one person that was always there for me that really understood and had a front row seat to my journey was my wife and, and my family. And I just – I felt like that was – the most Joe Thomas thing ever. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so let me give you a little piece of advice, especially if you want to get married after 30, okay? The best thing you can do, and by the way, if you're getting married under 30, it's what Joe did and you don't even realize that he did it. When you go to pick your bridal party, which can be an unbelievably daunting task because you're trying to figure out who you want, what friends, you know, like you may have college friends or work friends or school friends or this or that, and you're like trying to figure out who's the most, and then you're saying to yourself, oh, man, I'm going to – these guys, the, the girls have to buy dresses, and the guys got to pay for their tuxes. Just have your family. Just have your family be the wedding party. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Um, that's what we did, and that is the way to do it. And that's what Joe Thomas actually did here. He picked his family as the wedding party, which is a brilliant move for him, especially when you have kids and you know you're going to put it on tape. So nothing's going to go wrong with the introduction, and no one's going to be nervous, and there aren't going to be any, you know, uh, mistakes in that introduction for him. All the mistakes would have to be on him when he goes to give his speech. So uh, he takes the pressure off by doing that. I think it's a brilliant move, much like the brilliant moves he made while he was playing for the Browns. Yeah, and it, it, so he told a fantastic story of the day his wife Annie found out that he has been elected to the Hall of Fame. They were on vacation in Mexico, and uh, they were about to go out for a, uh, a romantic dinner. And so Joe, <laughs> typical guy move, brings some brewskis with him in the car. Uh, is there being uh, their Uber, whatever, to, you know, whatever mode of transportation is down there, taxi service, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, so they were going to drink some brewskis on the, the way to the restaurant. They're, they're you know, nice, quiet, romantic uh, dinner. And... Um, She's not drinking. And so he ends up drinking them all. They get to the restaurant, and she's still not drinking. And he is. And he joked how he was a little sloshed, and she wasn't too happy with him. But hindsight being 20, she she didn't want to get drunk and spill the beans. That, that oh, I was what, trying to figure out. I was like, uh-oh, do they have another kid on the way? But no, that no, makes sense. She didn't want to, you know, she didn't want to have a few and then – accidentally spill the beans that he had been to light. And then that's when the plotting began for the door knock. Uh, and uh, Walter Jones. So did she find out, Wisconsin. right? Did she find out right before they went to dinner? How'd this go down? Like, I, that's well, I, I, it was the, it was the, the day of uh, this, the, this dinner that they, they went out their date night uh, that they went out. She, so she knew as they were on the way to dinner and Joe's got, the six or the 12 pack or whatever. And they're in the car right into the restaurant. And he's like, well, okay, you're not going to drink them. I'm going to go ahead and take care of those for you then. And uh, yeah, cause she wanted, she was so nervous about keeping the secret uh, because it was supposed to, it, the whole, the whole setup here is a surprise. Walter Jones is just going to show up on his doorstep in Wisconsin and bang on the door and she pulled it off masterfully. And I, I, I you know, joked with Joe. I said, so uh, about this whole Annie keeping this uh, big secret from you, has the trust been restored in your relationship? <laughs> because she was able to keep such a big whopper from you. And, and he said, yeah, of course it has. And that's when he went into the story um, uh, about their vacation in Mexico. But um you know, he also talked about just what an awesome feeling it's been. All the Browns fans, all the stories. You know how Browns fans are, Andy. You know, well, I've been a season ticket holder since the beginning of time. And my grandfather watched Jim Brown. You know what I mean? Like, 
So he's running into a lot of those fans and, and hearing how basically he was the guy that kind of was like the, the lone beacon of hope because the Browns were just so terrible in this expansion era. Uh, and he did mention that, you know, you know it, it, what an honor it is for him, proud franchise, proudest, representing a proud franchise, representing the proudest fan base, at least from his point of view, uh, in the league, and what an awesome responsibility he feels uh, for that. Uh, he told the story about being at NFL Honors backstage, and uh, somebody had asked him, a young lady had asked him about being the first Browns Hall of Famer. And he was like, well, I'm actually the 18th, uh, not the first. And, you know, he was trying to be polite Who about it. Who asked him that? Well, the uh, <clears throat> context of the question was the first Hall of Famer in the expansion. Oh, oh okay, okay. And that is when it dawned on him just how big and monumental this is because he is the first player since this team came back into the league to make it to Canton. And quite honestly, he's – Probably going to be the only guy for a while. You know, Miles Garrett's got a ton of mileage on his uh, tires still. Joel Batonio, I think, can be a Hall of Famer if he continues, like, at the pace he's at. But I guards, it's tough getting guards in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, for sure. So once he retires, it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle. Now, I will totally admit my bias, like, Joel Batonio, Joe Thomas are, like, two of my favorite athletes I have ever covered. And it's – and – you know, it's my job to be unbiased and objective, but they're just two guys that it's really hard not to love both of them. It really, really is because they're just they're obviously they're great football players. That's secondary to the people they are. True. They're for as great of football players as they are, they're even better people. Hmm. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, watching them go through the gift shop uh, after they were done with us, and uh, they, they you know, did a little mini tour. Uh, uh, they went down to the gift shop, and uh, you know, uh, Annie <laughs> has the credit card ready to go. Uh -oh. You know, to to you know, pick up some. You souvenirs. would think he'd get some discount, right? I mean, at least five percent for being in well, the Hall of Fame, right? So, how about this story he told? Okay, maybe. do me a favor. Tell me on the other side of the break. Let's do this. Right. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin. Reminder, mobile sports betting finally legal here in the state of Ohio. BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible. See all of today's winners by heading to BetQL.com or downloading the BetQL app. Claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 the fan for exclusive sports book offers. All right. When we last left you, uh, we were talking about the Hall of Fame, Annie and Joe Thomas, the the first family of Cleveland football right now, uh, were touring the Hall of Fame after finding out that he was going to be inducted. You had found out uh, during a press conference that she was going to be introducing him, but then you said they went to the gift shop, which, by the way, is probably one of the best uh, in Ohio. If you've never been there, it's amazing. Uh, if you want to go for anything NFL, they have it in that gift shop. So she has the credit card. Pick up the story from there. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going through the, you know, the, the, the gift shop there, and um, – I, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Dak Prescott is uh, sent the, sent the kids some shoes. 
some his tennis kids. shoes. His kids. His kids. Some oh, shoes. that's cool. All right, awesome. So, uh, you know, and one of the first jerseys that you could see in the gift shop were Dak Prescott jerseys, and, and she she's looking at them, and I, <laughs> and me being the bad influence that I am, I say you ought to get a couple of those and send them off to Dak. I bet you he sends them back with a, a signature on them, uh, because that's just the you know the the the, the kind of guy. Uh, he is, but you know, Joe, he's there. He's signing autographs for fans, even a little kid uh, in a Steelers jersey. Uh, but he had a, a Browns mini helmet there. Oh, good. He, you know, good. signed for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, Joe's just really, you know, he he's just such a a, a, a great uh, human being. Um, he's going to have hair on the bust. I got that confirmed. Oh, good. I was concerned about that. Well, because it, it, he he did have uh, some time as a player. He. Uh, was bald. Now, right. now, granted, some of that was like rookie hazy and in, uh, hazing induced, but still, nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, it, it, as the reflection of his playing days, the bust is he's going to have hair on it. Um, so, relieved about that. Got got that important detail uh, clarified. But yeah, I mean, he was just you know full of. Uh, so did they buy yesterday. the did they buy the Dak Prescott jersey? Well, I I had to get going because uh, I was on Cavalier duty uh, Monday night, so I was on deadline. Oh man, so, of many seasons, yes, yes. So I I had to get I, I had to hit the road so I could get back in time. And of course, Joe was at the Cavs game. Oh, I, I, this was, is a I, great story. You got to tell this. Yeah. So uh, I was I was uh, as I was shooting the breeze with him. Uh, on the way to the gift shop, you know, he... Searching for a parenting podcast you'll actually want to listen to? One that covers everything from how to deal with picky eating, how to grieve a pregnancy loss, and how to not hate your partner after having kids? Well, your new favorite podcast, After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings, is here. Hosted by two BFFs, this is a no-shame parenting podcast. Listen to and follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. I, you know, I, I say, you know, I'm, you know, headed, head, headed to the Cavs game there. He goes, oh, I'm going to be there. Okay, great. I, I'm sure you're going to have better seats than me, which he did. He was sitting on the baseline by the Cavs bench. And uh, third quarter, the building is asleep. The Cavs are asleep. They're down 14 points after three. They go to Joe. And he gets, they put the camera on him. He's standing up and he starts leading the here we go. You know, they introduce him, new Hall of Famer, the Cleveland Browns, Joe Thomas, you know. And he starts leading the here we go Brownies chance. And the building's going bananas. Cavs start the quarter scoring the first six points. Boom, bang, piss, uh, the, the, uh, the Celtics, they call timeout. I almost said Pistons. I don't know why I had the Detroit Because they, the they just played them. That's why they beat them over the weekend. Uh, but it was the Celtics. Celtics call timeout. And you could just right then and there, you could feel their lead slip sliding away. And uh, Joe basically had the opposite effect he had on the Browns. Uh, the Cavs won in overtime. They came from behind again. I kid. It's not Joe's fault. They only won 41 games as a player. But uh, it, it. Let's not remind him of that either. I know. Well, or me remind him for the 300th time that he uh, had 20 different starting quarterbacks, 22 uh, regular quarterbacks in total, and he blocked for uh, 29 guys who threw a pass. Um, and only gave up 30 sacks his entire career despite pass blocking in over uh, 6,500 plays that to me I, I'll be honest with you I think that's the most impressive statistic of Joe Thomas's career mm. is the fact that he gave, he was uh I think it was pro football focus 
they regraded his film or whatever. And they, yeah, they said he was responsible for just uh, 30 sacks. But yeah, he, he was, uh, you, know, uh, you know, full of stories um, and, and in his element. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in, in his element. And uh, uh, he, he, the day of the knock, he noticed the knives were in the wrong place. What? Uh, the kitchen knives. Why? I don't understand. Because Annie, Annie cleaned up the house. Oh. Okay. Now, not nothing unusual. He said the only thing that was out of place that day was the knives. Because he's like, huh, that's a really stupid place to put those. I got to walk all the way over here to get knives. But in the interest of keeping peace in the household, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Good move. Happy happy <laughs> wife, happy life. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I guess uh, one of his kids was taking Walter Jones, gave him the, 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 the 10-cent tour of the home, took him up to the, to the rooms, showed off all the bedrooms Oh, and that's stuff, funny. Which is great. Um, but, yeah, it, it, was, it, it was great to see Joe and uh, him and his element and – Man, August is going to be here in the blink of an eye, Andy. Joe, and it's what? Uh, be Joe, a lot I just called you Joe. Hey, um, I've been called worse. <laughs> Daryl, what else did you learn? I mean, did you just follow Joe? Or did you talk to any of the other Hall of Famers? Now, I, I did you to, listen to anybody else? Yeah, it was in and out. He was one of the first guys that, that uh, spoke. Uh, he also, by the way, will be the last, probably the last to uh, speak because, because his last name starts with T, or because they know uh, he's a hometown guy. It's going to be a Browns invasion, so. Is it, you, oh, because of the game or because – I see, like, the game's not the same night, not, so – Just the whole weekend. Like, Cleveland's 50 minutes up I-77, depending how long it takes you to get through the city of Akron, um, <laughs> which was a little adventurous yesterday. Um, but – I wonder if they're bringing extra seating in. And by the way, right, the ceremony's inside the stadium. Have yes. you been to the ceremony inside the stadium? I have never I been to a Hall of Fame ceremony. So oh, you this haven't? will be a first for me. I've never so, been. I've watched them on television, <laughs> but I've never been in person. Um, but they this you know, they don't want Joe to be one of the first because then everyone there is gonna lose interest, right? Right. That makes sense. So that's I think the 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 premise behind uh that that whole thing. But, so I um, do think it's gonna be an interesting thought, and I'm sure you haven't had this yet, but what you know if if the influx of Browns fans is crazy, which it probably will, so be. you got to believe they probably want to bring in temporary stands to on top of what they have there already, don't you think? Well, I, I wouldn't I mean, you. I mean, if you've got the opportunity to put temporary stands in and make the the capacity of the place even bigger, why wouldn't you? Well, so speaking of capacity, <clears throat> this is this is the actual story I wanted to tell. I had to bring I I, I had a brain cramp and had to filibuster for a second to remember what I wanted That's to say. Fine. So. He um, made the joke about how being a Hall of Famer all of a sudden now has gotten expensive for him. Oh, jeez. And the reason why is because um, he, he is going to have to buy a lot of tickets. So the Hall of Fame is going to give him like six tickets for That's, him and his family. You're right? kidding. That's all they're going to give him? And, but he's allowed to purchase up 144 additional tickets. So there's 150 tickets allotted per Hall of Famer. Uh, so he's going to have to buy 144 tickets, and he joked how it's going to be very uh, tough on him to narrow down to 144 people outside of his immediate family. No, I get it. To to get these tickets, um, because 
again, I, you have all these Hall of Famers, right? Right. Uh, it's, it's class of nine, so 150 times nine, that, that's almost, what, uh, 1,400 and some mm-hmm. tickets right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sta- let's say stadium seats, uh, 25,000 for the ceremony. Again, I'm just pulling, sure. these, num- I'm pulling these numbers out right, of my backside. Just I, yeah. I have no idea. Um, but it, it, open for the general public. Though, by the way, those tickets have, have been available, have been on sale. I had a brain cramp. I forgot to ask if they've been sold out. I would be shocked if they aren't sold out True. by now. I don't know. If I were them, I would put – look, if they could build South Stands at Ohio Stadium every year, there's no reason they can't put more temporary stands up a little bit higher around the stadium if they wanted to put more in. And then my point to this is, hey, let's just say the Browns need a place to play while they're rebuilding their stadium. I mean, you've got to believe that that facility has got to be on the list. It's too small. Again, well, what they hold? What did the soccer stadium hold when the LA teams were playing there? Uh, I want to <clears> say around thirty-five thousand, I believe. I, I'm just—I I know that they could put because I saw. Although well, that was a bigger stadium, it, like when the Bears moved out of. Um, I'm looking out of it Chicago. up right now. They played at the University of Illinois, right? And that stadium's a little bit bigger than. Oh, I gotta tell you, I don't know that Illinois was that much bigger. It was a nice size stadium. Maybe it was forty-five, fifty. Yeah, um, twenty-seven thousand was the capacity for the Chargers. I guarantee you, they could put thirteen thousand extra seats in their temporaries. Oh, hang on, I'm gonna see. I'm looking up the capacity for Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. Mm-hmm. So, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium's built capacity is twenty-three thousand, and I am looking at picture aerial photos of the building Mm -hmm. to see Mm -hmm. and see here's the issue for them is they're building the hall of fame village down there right which is actually it it kind of encroaches on on the stadium yeah on the stadium now i am looking at a picture where uh the side that faces Interstate 77. So I believe that's the east side. Right. There's some the corners they could fill in with temporary well, seats. I'm yeah. looking at a photo right now where a bunch of temporary bleachers have been built for oh, it. Is this new or is this on uh this is I don't know what year they took this picture, but I'm looking hmm. at it now. Um where they basically added some seating. Uh, they could probably add some seating to your point in the corners. They could add a little extra seating there, but the, um, the actual stadium or the hall of fame village, I should say, like there's a big building that abuts the stadium on the West side. So there's not a lot of room for them to, Oh, there's a scoreboard there now too on the, uh, on the east side. So, yeah, I don't know how much they could add to it for capacity. I just – I don't know if the Browns could actually play down. I think that um, when the Browns do the stadium renovations, which, by the way, I have to – Wait, do you have re- news on this? I have to kind of go a little reverse and uh, well, well, then hang change on. my tune on that. Hang on. We're going to talk about that when we come back, too. By the way, Memorial Stadium in Champaign holds about 55000 so when the Bears move down there. Yeah. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Basker. 
It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. All right, when we last left off, this is like one of those great Batman editions. You <laughs> said you want to do about face on some of the things we talked about with the stadium. What do you got? Just one thing, and that is um, I'm not as convinced as I was a week ago that the Browns are moving. in Nor- Within Northeast Ohio. I just had to pause for a dramatic effect just to have some fun with some So folks. you're saying to stay downtown or to stay at the I current think location? I there's a very good chance they are going to stay at First Energy Stadium. They're going to have to rebuild the stadium? Yep. And the reason why is because the new stadium is, I, as we laid out in the previous pot, it's just going to be too cost prohibitive. I don't think that the Haslam's have the stomach for the cost, and I don't think that the city of Cleveland, the county, and the state are going to be able to stomach the cost. So how stadium, will they? Which is going to be in the multi-billion-dollar range. This isn't like it's oh, it's a billion dollars now. Right. No, you're talking two starting price. Around two billion, north or you know, for a new stadium or the renovation. Brand new stadium, not including land acquisition and all that. It's new, brand new, open air stadium construction. Price tag is going to start around two billion bucks. So, I have a feeling that as much as I want a dome, and I am team dome all the way, Mm -hmm. you're talking two point seven five and up for a dome. A retractable roof, 3.75. Yeah, that's why Buffalo backed off on the roof, isn't it? Because they yeah. thought it was too expensive. Way too expensive, so that's why they're doing the extended canopy to kind of protect the fans uh, and, and all that. So, uh, as we've discussed on the previous podcast, Browns uh, have been working on uh, the design elements for a First Energy Stadium renovation. Um, uh, and Is that's there anybody why... that really wants that? Well... Let's be honest. I, I think in their heart of hearts, they want a new stadium, but I think that they realize they're probably not going to get it. So the best they can do is rebuild what they have. How? How are they going to rebuild that? I mean, the concourses are so small. Well, they're going to, and that's why the price tag is going to be so expensive because there's going to be a lot of engineering work that's going to have to be done to open up those concourses. Uh, make them bigger and wider, expand them outward. The footprint of the stadium, I well, think. Well, I mean, part of it is increase. getting rid of their – they have offices on that first floor that they used to use as ticket booths. Yeah. So there's room in there. but that... Who needs ticket booths anymore? Even no. the, Guard- the Guardians got rid of, are getting rid of their ticket booths now. Remember the old days? Oh, yeah. Remember back in the day, Andy, like, I don't know, five years ago, when people used to be able to walk – to the ballpark and buy tickets the day of the game. Yep. <laughs> and you'd see these, you'd like see 10 long lines outside the ballpark of people buying tickets. Gone are those days. Those ticket windows are obsolete now. It makes me think that they're probably going to have to bring the stadium out to the sidewalk. I mean, there's yes. plenty of room to 100%. Grow. But there, there's plenty of room to grow uh, on the lake side of the stadium. I mean, they have land over there to do stuff if they want yes. to. But again, you got to get to the street. That's the whole thing. It's like you know what they could do hmm. is they could do what the Chicago Cubs did to Wrigley Field. So the Cubs clubhouse, instead of being within the actual confines of the friendly confines. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tunneled under the ballpark, and in the uh, team office building, whatever that they built outside the ballpark, right? that's where the clubhouse is. It's in that building. Hmm. So I could see a scenario where maybe the Browns, because it's not a full service level, oh, maybe they do something like that where 
you put the visiting, you make the visitors walk, you put the visiting locker room there, and then whatever space that's within the stadium, you go ahead and put the Browns, you, you know, like where the current visiting locker rooms are, and there's like three or four of them. Mm-hmm. You put those, put the Browns' new locker room and team facilities there, and you wherever you uh, do your expansion on that's on the other side, you can put a visiting locker room there, and you just make the visitors walk a little longer to get to their tunnel. Yeah, you know, one of the things. You know what that that's would, called, Andy? Uh, ingenuity. Home field advantage. Yeah, that's a good point. One of the other problems that takes up a lot of space that they have on game day are the TV trucks that they put underneath the stadium that people yep. don't realize that. Well, we do. And they li- could relocate those and build the, you know. Guess what? A, a, they, they don't even have to be in the building. I mean, well, don't, let's uh, not forget that the Guardians did their games from Channel 3. Well, I, here's the thing. So when Thursday night on Prime oh comes my to God. town, when Monday night football, ESPN comes to town, and when Sunday night football. Uh, yes, there are trucks under the stadium, production trucks, but there are additional yeah. production trucks that they park outside. They took up the whole the street behind the stadium. It was crazy. Yes. So, um, I like I said, there's I there are things that they can do. Um, my understanding is the current stadium is not as hopeless as I perceive it to be, mm-hmm. and I'll leave. I, I think that that's a fair way to put it. And uh, I think that that's where I'll leave it as well because, you know, again, we're just – we're speculating <laughs> what might happen I still here. think at the end of the day they've got to figure out a way to put a roof on, on the stadium. There is not going to be a roof. Uh, that I know for a fact. It is such a waste of space. I will – I know that. Did you hear a, anything? Let me ask you this because <clears throat> we haven't had a chance to talk about it. They studied it. They did study it, and the cost is to add a separate structure, similar, you know, like how they built SoFi, uh, little engineering – uh, nerd out for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they built SoFi, one of the things that they did, because they have the earthquakes in California, right. one, number two, LAX is right there, so the, the height of the stadium can't can't be right. uh, you know, too high. Well, that's the other problem you have, too, with Burke. Right. So, well, that's not the issue. Burke is not an issue because But the if you run- wanted to go over the stadium... No, the flight. No, see the run. The flight path to the runway is actually over the lake and over the parking lot north of the stadium. Okay. The way that right. Sh- it, right. If you look at an overhead map and you draw a straight line of those runways, the flight paths do not go over First Energy Stadium. Not leaving a lot of room for error to the south, but keep going. Yep. I understand that. Yeah. I'm just saying. So they, I do know for a fact they studied a roof, putting a roof on First Energy. It's too cost prohibitive. And so what they did in L.A., they dug like 90 feet into the ground mm-hmm. to put the stadium, number one. Number mm-hmm. two, the stadium, the seating bowl is, is what it's called. So the bowl of the stadium is its own separate structure from the roof canopy that they built. Mm-hmm. And the reason they did that was to allow for that flexibility of the seating bowl independent of the roof structure to avoid, in the instance of an, uh, uh, an occurrence of an earthquake, yeah. earthquake that it won't collapse. Well, and if sense. the Browns want a roof on First Energy Stadium, the foundation is not built in a way that can support it. Therefore, it has to be a completely independent structure, sure. which will cost in excess of a billion dollars to do. There oh, will crazy. be no roof on First Energy Stadium. You know so. what's interesting is if they could do what Seattle did, because Seattle, it, uh, I don't know if it's still Safeco or not, but whatever, where the Mariners play. 
you know, they've got a roof that isn't really like a roof. It it's still a rolling leaves, roof. Yeah, it's open, open air rolling roof. Yeah, yeah. and so it it lo- it's totally set in. You're not getting one to the docks that are there that we easily could make look just like the docks. Fun fact. Have. Yeah. The Cleveland Guardians explored a rolling roof for Progressive Field, but yeah. again, cost was a factor, and also the specter of having to move the Lake Erie Cemetery. Yeah, I, or, I'm sorry, the East 9th Street Cemetery. Is that what it's called? East, uh, the cem- that's what, East 9th Street Cemetery? Yes. Well, I don't know that that's what it's called, but it's it's right there. It's I mean, obviously, it's on the back But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right it's on the back side of the ballpark. Yeah, it's on yeah. the, yeah, right across from the ballpark on East 9th Street. And they didn't want to move the cemetery? Uh, they're cursed enough. That's true. <laughs> Why on earth would you mess with that? No, but you could have the roof, the rolling roof could have settled above the cemetery. Yeah, it is. It's called the Erie Street Cemetery. That's so, it. All right. Yeah. Speaking of Erie, that's the end of the podcast for today. We'll be back again on Thursday. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. We love having you on board. And if you want to be a part of the show, you know how to do it. It's so simple, so easy. Just go to social media, and it'll take care of itself. No, you got to go to social media and send us the questions that you want on Instagram or Twitter, at GameDayCLE. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin for our producer, Meredith Kane. Thanks for listening. It's always Game Day in Cleveland. Searching for a parenting podcast you'll actually want to listen to? One that covers everything from how to deal with picky eating, how to grieve a pregnancy loss, and how to not hate your partner after having kids? Well, your new favorite podcast, After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings, is here. Hosted by two BFFs, this is a no-shame parenting podcast. Listen to and follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.